My name is Dr. Mike. I was born and raised in Rochester, New York, and I'm proud of where I came from. While I have since moved to greener pastures and found happiness in the flyover states, I still have a certain fondness for the flower city, especially its signature food, the plate. Unfortunately, watching from afar, the city has declined from a titan of industry and cultural powerhouse to a pit of despair and corruption held together by bubblegum and duct tape. Nonetheless, nothing will take away my memories of the Rochester I grew up in, except maybe the senility of old age. So before that happens, come join me as we reminisce about the things that made Rochester special. Come join me for a flyover plate. Welcome to the Flyover Plates podcast, post-Valentine's Day do-over edition. I am Dr. Mike, your head leprechaun, as we surge forward into March. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Nolan DeRosia for his amazing entrance music. It really brings me joy to share the next hour or so with you, to hopefully brighten your day as you re-enter the doldrums of winter in Rochester after experiencing that glimmer of hope known as February Recess. Now, let me introduce my co-host. He is the host of the highly entertaining and educational Computer Exorcist podcast. This Valentine's Day inspired him to start a public service commercial campaign about safe computing, similar to those (laughs) Not Me, Not Now commercials from back in the day. His aspirations of becoming a professor and wearing a tweed sport coat with elbow pads while smoking a pipe might actually be coming to fruition. More to follow on that. Here he is, fresh off chugging an entire two-liter bottle of Jolt Cola just to get hyped for this episode. Please welcome Mark Anthony Arena. Mark, good evening to you. <laughs> Happy Leap Day. How are you this evening? That's right. It's Leap Day, huh? <laughs> this only happens once every four years, just like an episode of this podcast. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm not... um. I, I, I prefer '80s sport jackets and cigars. Just, just want to put that on the on the record. You're gonna go into the lecture hall looking like Don Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Don't quaffed I hair, quaffed hair, oversized white suit with a pink t-shirt, and the sleeves rolled up on the sport coat. Man, you are just gonna kill it in uh, in your lecture ne- next year, which I hope is happening for all of you out there. Mark may be teaching a class at RIT in the future. Would you Maybe. care to elaborate on that? Not allowed to say anything, but okay. I'm talking to them, and it talking. would be wonderful. You know, as much as I as much as I complain about my time there, um, I would love to be able to teach their students. Obviously, uh, my unique um, technical ways. So that's all I can say. It's not not at all remotely certain. But we're just, yeah, I'd love to teach somebody. That would be amazing. I know you've always wanted to teach. You've been doing those classes at the Senior Center. Education is a big part of what you do. And just getting the word out and starting when they're young, impressionable, realizing that 
there's a lucrative career in this. Oh, absolutely. And and my mistake was, yes, I, I had this urge to get these things off my chest and explain technology to people and, and know that antivirus software is not protecting you. It's destroying your computer and ripping it to shreds. And no, don't trust the cable company when they attack you with fake Wi-Fi and all that stuff. But my mistake was I would give those classes to the seniors, and they loved it, and then they'd all hire me afterward. So now I would just make more work for myself instead of, hey, let's teach some young folks who actually want to do this for a living. So I finally snapped out of it and realized, okay, this will actually get me out of it, where the other way was just quicksand. I was just digging myself deeper in the quicksand. Oh, yes. Well, you got to start them young. You got to start them young, especially when they don't really know what they want to do. Give them an avenue. I mean, you've done very well with your business and your enterprise. I'm just going to call it an enterprise at this point. You've got a podcast. You've got a business. You've got a book, How to Protect Yourself from Your Computer, SQL, TBD. It's and coming. Let's let's get into it. So, yeah. Mark, I waited till I came back to Ohio to do this episode. I really didn't want to rub it in last week. I was down in Florida visiting oh, my dad. Man. I had a conference to go to. Awesome. And I didn't really want to rub it in. I wanted to do a beachside podcast. I just didn't have time. <laughs> Plus, everybody was on this thing called February recess. Okay. I remember back in the day when we had school, winters were just interminably long. And the schools just gave us this random week off in February. It was kind of around President's Day, but it was like a welcome reprieve from the snow and the slush and the ice and having to wake up in 10 degree weather and catching the bus and all this other oh, stuff. It was a little glimmer of hope. Like you said, it was a little glimmer of hope. Some <laughs> folks went out of town. They went to Florida. They went to the Caribbean on a cruise, whatever. It was nice because it really wasn't around Easter time. It was kind of around like college spring break, but Airfares weren't ridiculously expensive. Things weren't ridiculously overcrowded. It was a real nice time to get out and go somewhere for an extended period of time. And nobody else does it. Uh-huh. Oh, it, wait a minute. It's just New York State? I think so. I don't. We don't have oh. February break here in Ohio. Oh, you know what? And when I was a kid, we would go to Florida for February break and we hung out at the pool with friends, but they were from elsewhere in New York state. That's interesting. So that's why the airfares weren't really, and and really it's just New York is the only state that needs something like this in the middle of winter because it's like, we need a break between, you know, nine months of snow and then we need a break before another nine months of snow. I don't give New York a whole lot of credit, but this was one thing that the powers that be actually got right. And they gave you a week off. Yes, you, we go to school till the middle of June, but they True. gave us a week off. And Don't say and of it course, too loud. If, they might be listening. Easter, if Easter was early, it was awesome because then you had February break and then two weeks later, and then you had Easter. Yeah. So, but Mark, I do have to tell you going uh, following up from the last episode, uh, something very plate related. I was down at my dad's house, and I got the family recipe for my family's recipe, not the family's recipe. I don't want to get implicated in any uh, (laughs) scandal, but my family's hot sauce recipe from my grandmother for the meat-based hot sauce. So people's grandparents made this? They made this, and I will say that 
my dad kind of sort of grew up with the Tahoe kids. Um, so they knew each other growing up. I think my dad and Stavros went to high school at some point together. I'm pretty sure my grandmother knew their mother, the, their mother pretty well. It was, it was Gates. It was the sixties. I mean, everybody knew everybody, <laughs> but I have, I have a recipe that is now in its third generation of my grandmother to my dad. Now to me. So Mark, at some point I am going to make, this hot sauce, and I am going to call it the Jurassic Plate. <laughs> it's not what I do. It's not what I do, but everybody has their own variation of it. That's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it unique. As long as it is some conglomeration of loose meat, spices, and and hot to your satisfaction... <laughs> That's all that matters. And then putting that on well, a plate, hopefully, but everything. Um, so, it's a good so point. Yeah, you could put it just on a hot dog, and it would it would be very similar to a chili dog. It would be awesome, huh? It, it's amazing. Like I said, last week, oh, I, I last year, I, after keeping that hot sauce in the fridge for a week and a half, I put it back on a smoked sausage, and it was that much better. Oh. Um, <laughs> so... That will be forthcoming at a future episode. I may even eat it on the air like I did at the Christmas episode. Oh, you which must. Probably one of the most amazing experiences of this podcast. <laughs> yes, it um, was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. So, um, so Mark, I, I the last couple weeks at work, I have pulled into the parking lot at my office, and I have seen this car out that is – a shrine, bumper stickers, license plate, personalized license plate. It is a shrine to Charlie Sheen. What? It's like bumper sticker, what would Charlie Sheen do? Uh, <laughs> I wish my mother was more like Charlie Sheen. Just different bumper what? stickers. It's a, it has C. Sheen on the license plate. Now, you all know who listen to this podcast that I am a fan of Don Elhart. Yeah. Uh, I, I was about to say, who shrine. are these sick people? But yeah. I wish I had a shrine like this to Don Elhart that this person does to Charlie Sheen. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, who would obsess over someone like, oh, you. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you It might do actually this? be Charlie Sheen. Who knows? <laughs> Down in his luck, living in Dayton. Why don't you do this, though, Mike? It's not. We'll get you bumper stickers. I'm sure someone made a Channel 13 bumper sticker over the years. I want a silhouette of Don Elhart in the back in the rearview mirror of my car, uh, or the one you know, you know like, those um, stickers with the Queen that they put yes. in the back seat. So I have they, a sticker with Don in Elhart. The somebody in Rochester, somebody who's listening, please make a screen print of Don Elhart for people to put in the back seat of their cars with with maybe holding a big TV camera from the 80s with the super beta max <laughs> holding a channel 13 microphone yeah oh man asking oh. the tough questions um yeah and and it probably you know the license plate probably won't be taken i'm sure you could have Elhart Ohio oh, no. not not in Ohio not in Ohio i could who knows it might have to get banned they might think it's like <laughs> offensive in some way shape or form i just want to comment yeah, so, yeah 
I, and, and the thing is, I've never seen this person walk out of the. I don't know who this person looks like. <laughs> Put him in a lineup. I have no idea who this person is. I just see the car. And I know they drive it home because it's in a different spot every day. But it brings me joy that somebody has such a fervent passion for a movie star. You know, Charlie Sheen, you know, with all of his faults and everything, he made some pretty good movies. I mean, Major League was awesome. The Hot Shots were awesome. You know, he had been a stint on Spin City back in the 90s. I liked um, Two and a Half Men, obviously, uh, just some of the highlights of that. So, um, Mark, going off of that, because, you know, this isn't an episode without talking about Donnell Hart. (laughs) You posed the question last month, what, if anything, could we name after Donnell Hart? He doesn't have anything named after him that I know of. Do you? What could we name? Um, a lot of statues, or a stadium. Statue. The next week's trillion dollar stadium, or a building. Although <laughs> no, the building will probably go out of business. The McQuaid football field. Yeah. Or well, I'll tell you. I'll tell hey. you what they're gonna do. Okay. Yeah. Four five hundred years from now, if he ever does decide to retire, they'll just name the the actual news. Source 13, you know, broadcasting room after him. Nah, he won't want that. But I mean, <laughs> Why wouldn't he want that? Because <laughs> he'll still be there. <laughs> he'll, just, he'll just shack up there and build a little apartment in the back. Uh, quite frankly, they're just going to put a statue of him leaning, sitting at the desk and <laughs> nobody will be the wiser. <laughs> you could just put old clips of of him broadcasting the news from 1994. Nobody will know the difference. We need to find some old footage, by the way, and just watch it together. Well, we watched that ice storm video when you came down last time, the the six-part series about the ice storm back in 91. Yeah, (laughs) this is amazing. But, Mark, I'm just going to say out there, I quite frankly think that the the War Memorial, Blue Cross Arena, whatever, needs to be called Down Al Hart Arena. It just does. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the only thing that has lasted this long. Yeah. Maybe Frontier Field. Maybe, maybe whatever Frontier Field is called now. But, I mean, you drive down 490, you see a big sign that says Blue Cross Arena. It just doesn't resonate with anybody. Call it Don Alhart Arena? Dude. You know what? Maybe I'll do it, something it, heroic, and, and then they could name it the Mark Anthony Arena Arena. <laughs> Mark Anthony Arena. That would be you sure awesome. You want that in Rochester? Or do you want to go put that on a Caribbean island somewhere? Yeah, definitely. Good point. Um, and you know, you know, in my will, I'm going to tell you something. It says I want to be buried in non-Rochester, and I didn't write the the next part. But what I was going to say is because I've already decayed here for my life, so I don't want to decay here for the rest of eternity. Well, you can't <laughs> die twice. Yeah, I just I'm sick of decaying in Rochester. So when I actually decay, I want to do it somewhere else. You're already dead inside, Mark. You know that. Yeah, Rochester has sucked your soul out. Yeah, you want you want to comment on that? I mean, do you want me to? I got a comment for you on that. In sure 2015, I hired a business broker to try to sell my business and at the time and and basically he was this welsh guy and he's wonderful and he said you can't sell your business it's all in your head so i took it upon myself to write training documents to try to get this to convey the knowledge to other people 
but I was telling him, you know, he says, why do you want to stop this? And I said, I, I need to get out of here. Rochester's killing me. And mind you, this is like nine years ago. I'm still here, but I said, Rochester's killing me, blah, blah. It's the worst place in the world. It's the worst place in the world, right? And this guy's been around the world. So he looks at me and he can't think of any rebuttal. So he goes, well, it's not Gaza. <laughs> that was it. That's all. He, that's, the, that's it. So Rochester, is, there's nothing else he can say. I mean, there is nothing worse. So that's it. Only Gaza. Gaza. That's wow. Wow. That is a low bar. But that's all. And and I I go, yeah, you're right. That's all he had. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, Mark. I I do think the War Memorial should be named after Don Alhart. But going back to all this interminable return to winter where there's no hope in sight for you guys until Mother's Day. I mean, don't even bother cutting your grass until until Memorial Day at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like, you know, that dark gray setting, it's a perfect scene for a scripted drama. Now, I know I have texted you numerous ideas about what I should put on your Streamplicity platform channel, like amateur television. We could have a 24-hour loop of Rochester shows. I could come up and produce like eight shows. Be great. And, uh, and by the way, that but gray Mark, I, has a name. The Kodak chemists call Rochester skies 12% gray. 12% gray. They actually, like, this is known by photographers the world over. That that's Kodak named that color after our skies. How appropriate that there's only 12% of the population left. Yeah. <laughs> they were onto something. But no, Mark, what about, like, a, a, a scripted... Game of Thrones type dark comedy. I mean, the, the setting is just beautiful for it. East side versus West side for oh, supremacy yeah. of the plate. Yeah, that's a thing, the East side, West side. That's a big thing around here. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. And now I, I will say I am staunchly proud of being from the West side. You are from the East side. We make it we make it work because we're awesome. But um, <laughs> I only went to the West side twice as a kid. <laughs> I only went to the east side because I went to McQuaid. Yeah. Um, if it was that, I'd have all my friends from Greece and Hilton. Um, but no. <laughs> we Supremacy of the plate. We could set it in the interminable winter 12% gray setting of Rochester. There'd be so much double-crossing betrayal. It would be like a – it would be like a uh, – it would be a hit TV show, I think, for, for Rochester and the surrounding areas. They would get it. We'd have so much – inside jokes and local humor but uh yeah the, the setting right now it just it just sets up perfectly for that type of scripted dark comedy drama whatever you want to call it um i don't know where we'd find actors for it but you know we might have to use like high school uh <laughs> we had to make the people doing the high school play to go out and do this <laughs> yeah remember there's nobody between the ages of 18 and 50 uh, that are true. left here so <laughs> That's true. But um, there is one glimmer of hope. I, I did do and some did, research. I did look And did on, you mention our, the name uh, of the show? Oh, called Game of Plates. I'm probably going to get sued <laughs> for that. But um, <laughs> Game of Plates. Amazing. I think it would be a great idea. Somebody want to pitch it. Somebody who has a lot more money and know-how than me want to pitch it. I will happily be a consultant on it. Um, I got trademarked that though, because uh, 
that could be a winner. So, Mark, I did look on our school's alumni website and our big fundraiser of the year. You remember, remember Bash, right? Of course. Bash, or as now as I call it, Bobby A. Sloshed and Hammered. <laughs> um, great night, great night. It was uh, it, it was an awesome place. All the students volunteered, uh, especially if you got a if you got a job like doing valet or doing bar back, where you didn't really have to do mu- you have to, have to do much. Just had to like re- the best was was valet and bar back. If you ask me, you it's the only place in the know where high rollers would come to a high school fundraiser and they'd come dressed to the nines. They'd be driving their luxury six figure automobiles. They would drop it off with these high school kids. Yeah. I'm just hoping and praying that, um, you don't put a scratch on it. Cause yeah, they, wait, if well, there was any, they do like it's stuff. When I don't you know. look back at the eighties, you're like, they let us do that. Well, we were the early 2000s, man. Let's not date ourselves here. No, but still, like, stuff... I mean, that's 80s-style fun. Like, it's like that oh, absolutely. Stuff, like, you oh, absolutely. couldn't do... I doubt they, they let kids drive people's sports cars now. Well, you valet them, you, you, you take them off, you, put, you park them in the front lawn somewhere, and if you so much as breathed on them wrong... <laughs> Um, but you know what? I we remember need that, that healthy level of fear, by the way, instead of the administration is, oh, we're scared of insurance. And no, you needed that healthy level of fear to build character, exactly. right? If exactly. we didn't have sh- that, we wouldn't be who we are. It shaped young men like us, and, and they, we need to realize that. But I do remember the year I did valet. It was awesome. Okay, it was awesome. You did. Valet. They also they had a line of students who knew how to drive stick and students who didn't know how to drive stick. <laughs> Now that's only like a small percentage of, them, unfortunately. But wow, very small percentage. And and, and it's very not a, like a, a small trusted, you know, two or three guys, but like there were a group of students who were trusted to drive people's expensive cars. Yeah, it was amazing, and it was a huge fundraiser for us. I mean, everybody was like, everybody was dressed black tie, evening gowns. I mean. People were spending goofy amounts of money on like a gravy boat from the silent auction or something. You know, <laughs> a meet and greet with um, one of our teachers or what something, you know. Um, <laughs> but I did valet. Valet was awesome. Kochek was great because you could get anything that you got tipped on was awesome because yeah. these people would tip and you just pocket that. Yeah. You, you, if you want to be nice, you could pool it. But a lot of people just ended up pocketing the, you know, $20, $30 tips we got for just driving their car 200 feet. Um, Kochek was pretty cool because you only had to work the beginning and the end of the night. Like there was a three hour break in there where you did absolutely nothing. Um, highly underrated volunteer thing. It was bar back, man. Restocking the beer, the alcohol. Um it was a lot of work, but I do remember that being a very, very underrated um, volunteer opportunity. I think it was all, it was awesome, man. That's so, amazing. And um, another thing, they let kids handle alcohol. But again, like it's better the kids handle alcohol in front of thousands of adults versus what they're doing now. We were not sitting in the back cracking open a couple of beers while we were doing this. We were working. We were being responsible. And, and of course, the funny thing is some of our teachers were the bartenders. So 
that you'd was be talking to you know, huh? you'd be talking to him about you know U.S. history, <laughs> and, and then you know he'd be like, he'd be like, hey, Mike, go get some more Bud Light in the back or something. Um, <laughs> no, it was just like you said, it, it, it taught us responsibility. They, they gave us you know f- some semblance of freedom, um, and it really it was a really good volunteer opportunity for the students at McQuaid. It was it really was. Um, for all of you current students out there, it is Saturday, March 23rd. Make sure that you're signed up. Make sure that you are giving back to this. That's the biggest fundraiser of the year for the school by far. Um, alumni, if you're in the area, you want to go spend some money on weird silent auction things like, a, I don't know, around a golf at Oak Hill. I don't know. I don't know what they have now. Um, the family fun night. A yeah. self-portrait of me. I have. I don't know. I didn't donate anything. Hey, you should. I actually. <laughs> they. Uh, I used to go to the family fun night the night before. And... The family fun night was a lot of. Was a great time. I used to do that too. My parents. They dressed up one year and they're like, you know what? Screw this. We're done. Let's just go to the family fun night. Yeah, the dinner dogs. It was like a kids band yep. that showed up. Oh and yeah, lots of food and. Oh yeah. yeah, you know I donated but my I, book once or twice to the auction. Uh, you know, in the recent years. Yeah, so I, it's changed. I, I I've lost track of it, but I, I do remember my experiences fondly with it, as do you, and I'm sure everybody who's listening who went to one of these events has some story to tell about it. And yeah. it was it was awesome. Bring and, your family next year for family fun night. <laughs> It needs to be a little warmer for me to bring my family back to Rochester. <laughs> yeah. It's still March, people. It's still March. Yeah. Rochester. It's like a two-week window in July where I'm thinking, it's okay, it might be warm enough. We're, we're the only people who, who, just this city, the only people who vote for um, global warming. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Oh, man. So, Mark... <laughs> It is that leap day, end of February, beginning of March. It's such a juxtaposition food-wise for me because it is Lent. I am uh, being Catholic. You cannot, you're not supposed to eat meat on Fridays during Lent. I am allergic to fish. That ruins it for me. I'm severely limited on what I can eat tomorrow. Tomorrow being Friday, I'm stuck with like mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, and cheese pizza. And veggie burgers. Veggie burgers, vegan sausage, cereal, you know, corn on the cob. Um, so, but again, parish, all Catholic parishes are having fish fries now. And, and then they do have a good job dealing with the, the aller, allergic people like me um, having hush puppies, mac and cheese, French fries, you know, other things, cheese pizza. Oh, there was things soup. That, so I can still church, contribute. Yeah. I can still donate the money to the parish, have a good time with my friends, my uh, fellow parishioners, my son's parents or friends and his parents. Um, but it's, it's, it's bad. It's, it's tough because I can't just go. I can't just go get a cheeseburger and be like, oh, man, now I have guilt. Thank you. Thank you, Catholic schools. Um, but, Mark, it is a good time. It is a good time because one of the great mysteries of culinary of the culinary world is going on right now. Oh. And that is the Shamrock Shake. 
<laughs> For those of you who don't know, there is a fast food restaurant out there that has publicized the Shamrock Shake. It is green. It is minty. There is no evidence of mint in their ingredient list. So it is just vanilla ice cream with green food coloring. And somehow, somehow, it tastes minty and it tastes wonderful and it brings great joy to my life. But there's um, no mint in the in the ingredients? Not in the in the official ingredient list, no. So it's That's probably the mystery. It's probably toothpaste. It, it's probably <laughs> processed beyond belief. It's it's, it's probably be gonna give me cancer. Yeah. Wow, it's probably that's toothpaste, horrible. right? You it's, know what? How much? It's probably it toothpaste. To... It's probably yeah. or gel. Um, <laughs> just, just put a mint leaf. How much could it possibly cost? <laughs> but oh. I will say, it is it is one of the few things this time of year that brings me great joy. I've uh-huh. got my kids hooked on it. I have some friends of mine from college. I have friends of mine from medical school. I texted them a picture of the Shamrock Shake because right after Valentine's Day, like February fifteenth. I go on the prowl. I start going to the fast food place, and I'm like, you got shamrock shakes? I'm like, yes, we do. Get one, <laughs> text my friends' pictures, and they're like, yes, the season is upon us. <laughs> so, uh. I, you know, it is uh, on the uh, on the hierarchy of weird things that shouldn't be good but are. Hierarchy? <laughs> shamrock shake is probably number two. All right. Number All one. Right. Number one. Obviously, it has to be what I call the melange. What's this? The melange of the hot sauce grease and the mac salad mac- mixing together in some greasy intertwined love story. It is poetry. It is passion. It is straight fire. You can't. You give me another mystery of two things that should not be together. That are together and they taste amazing. So yes, the melange, the shamrock shake, and then fill in the blanks there. That's my list. So, um, yeah. So fish fries are coming back for Lent. Fish fries are coming back for Lent. We get to go to my parish. We get to go to the Eagles Lodge. Which, as I said last year in an episode, it it looks like every grandfather's basement you grew up in. Yeah. And, man, it is a sense of nostalgia, and it is awesome. All it needs is a couch with a very well-sat-in cushion. You know, little rips, cigarette burns from the arm of the <laughs> from the armrest. <laughs> plaid. It's got to be a light brown plaid. I was going to say like a light brown, light blue crosshatch, like knit pattern. And then, uh, you know, the 20, the 20 inch TV with the, with the dial remote and yes. the gravity ear antennas. Yes. You know, you had to, you had to get up off your chair to change the channel. That's so sad that, I mean, any, any loss, like they say about people, right? And one is too many, right? It's so sad that they've thrown away a lot of those old TVs. One is too yes. many. Didn't Preserve they, your um, old TVs, folks, please. Did, didn't you just get, like, a 27-inch TV off the street somewhere? Well, no. What happened was my uncle had a wall of them. 
He had at least four of them, and then he had two upstairs, and then he had another one he gave to my cousin, and they were just all over the place, and there were these bubble-shaped 1995 RCA televisions when the 90s was all about round bubble. Then he also had a Zenith 20-inch that looked like the 80s, and so my cousin is giving them to me, and I, I am charged with finding loving homes for them. Oh, my. It's You're a like labor the of love. Farm of '90s TVs. Oh, that's incredible! <laughs> Lollipop Farm, folks. For those of you who are from out of town, it's our a dog and cat shelter. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna have a TV shelter. A t- and I, I have 11 VCRs as well, so I'm a TV and VCR rescue so, shelter. Mark, I have to paint a picture here. Um, you you set a wall of the bubble screen, 27 inch tube screen 500 pound tvs oh yeah did it look like did it look like the set of jeopardy from the early 90s where every clue was on a bunch of there's a big wall of tvs and they would put the clues on each tv yeah it it, well it 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 was like like those early 90s jeopardy sets absolutely it was actually more bubbly um but you know what he would do actually he would connect them all to the same vcr and in college, I learned that I would find TVs on the side of the road in college, and back then they were still worth something. And oh man, they were still like current televisions back then. And we did the same thing. My buddy and I had, I think it was twenty-one or twenty-four televisions in this little teeny dorm room, all connected to the same VCR. So we'd have oh friends goodness. over watching movies, and we'd all lay in different positions and all watch a movie and just pick a TV. So <laughs> where 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 do you find those connectors? I mean. Uh, Oh, it's easy. It I have like tons of switchboard. Them. No, I have tons of them, actually. You just use splitters, uh, F-type splitters. But my uncle would, when I was about, I want to say 14, 15, my dad said, son, it's time. And I said, what? And he said, we're going to Uncle Frank's basement. And Uncle Frank oh, put on, on all four of the TVs and huge speakers as well, uh, he put on The Godfather. Oh, my gosh. And they passed down the one Sicilian. Of the greatest, one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, and, and, and they've passed down the Sicilian culture and heritage to me in this way. And once in a while, my uncle would just lower the volume down to nothing, and then he would just say the lines, because he would watch it, like, every other week. So, oh, wow. <laughs> and they would give me explanations of the the Sicilian things that happened and the Sicilian message and everything else. So those TVs really mean a lot to me. Oh, I'm sure they do. No, I have a confession to make. I have a confession to make. I have seen all of The Godfather. I have never seen The Godfather start to finish. I have never sat the four hours to watch The Godfather start to finish. I have seen it all in piecemeal. It's one of the great regrets of my life. Yeah. You know, a lot of movies, people are like, ah, it's a classic movie, but it's really garbage. No, this is one, this is a must-see. And and you also should see two and three as well. At least two. I heard three kind of falls off a little bit. but uh, It's fine, um, you know. But my uh, one of my professors in podiatry school, he he gave a list of like the five movies you must watch before you die, and one of them was The Godfather. Oh yeah, just in the fact it like shows how to interact with people. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it shows like in not integrity, but it shows how Don Corleone like stuck to his guns. He yep, ran principles. You know, he, he stuck to his principles. He wronged his enemies, obviously leaving a horse head in the bed. Um, but it was one of the, that was one of the movies. He's like, if you 
want to see how to associate how to conduct business that's one of the movies to watch um before we go going back to my florida trip i have to give a shout out to the mermaid cafe um my cousin taylor was uh manning the cooktop she does a phenomenal job so if you're ever in the new smyrna beach florida area please go to the mermaid cafe they have an amazing menu um looking at the they had all these different waffles, Mark. They had a key lime pie waffle. Weird. They had a banana pudding waffle. They had a chocolate lover's waffle. Um, I got the smothered waffle with chicken strips, like a chorizo gravy and a sunny what? side egg on top of what? it. What? I want that. That sounds incredible. It was amazing. They have um, they have these things called Dole Whips. I've never had one, but it looks like soft serve, like fruity ice cream. They were making Dole Whip mimosas. We were there on you know Saturday morning, but um, they they do an absolutely phenomenal job. The prices were you get enough food for your for your money. That is for darn sure. But they some of the some of the combinations they had. I'm thinking, going, oh my god, Mark would love this place. Oh, it um, reminds me of Mario's when it was open in Rochester, and he had yeah. this buffet, and I called it the Died and Gone to Heaven buffet. It was incredible, like Italian American breakfast, omelet bar, and he which had is a not, which yeah. is yeah, which is now recarded as Nick's. From what you so, told me, sort of, yeah. Nick's is incredible, but he he doesn't do. I mean, this was like a grandiose like brunch thing that Mario used to do. At one time, I had nineteen plates of crab legs. <laughs> <laughs> I counted them. It was yeah. a Mother's Day brunch, but anyway, they. What reminded me of it is is when you said the chocolate waffle. He Mario had a chocolate fountain. So you could take anything from the buffet, and I used to take waffles, omelets, chicken tenders, you name it, and put them in the chocolate fountain and then eat them. Oh, my god! And there was always a, a dino nugget floating in the chocolate fountain from some little <laughs> kid who couldn't reach in to get it. Did you pick uh, it up and eat it? Usually. Yeah. <laughs> Don't lie. Oh, it was yeah. probably good, too. Oh, it's, it's probably good fountain. too. Wow! So this place, right. I um, want that. That sounds amazing. By the way, that place you're talking. Oh, it's about. amazing. That's incredible. You get out of non Rochester. You do what every New Yorker does. Go to Florida for a few days. Go yeah. go down there. There are a bunch of other places. If you ever just you know, <laughs> get in touch with my dad. He'll take you anywhere you want to go. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. Um, now, a little segment. I'm actually going to officially call the segment. It's called Mark Around Town. So what? Mark has a different. <laughs> so Mark is my boots on the ground investigative reporter for the Flyover Plates podcast, and he does a phenomenal job Thanks. going to different restaurants, going to different establishments, finding these amazing foods, sending me pictures about it, making me jealous. <laughs> even the stuff I can't eat, even even like the sushi and the fish it looks amazing it's worth me going to the hospital <laughs> so there are a couple of things mark i'm going to turn it over to you talk about some of the places you've been some of the things that you've experienced um i'm actually making this a formal segment of the show now mark around town and i'll have you know i don't know if i've said this before but you know mike before doing this show with you i only ate maximum three garbage plates in my life 
Like, I had a, one or two in college and one right afterward, and, and that was it. Like, it yeah. wasn't a thing for me. But then, it, ten years ago, when you showed up to town and said, Mark, make me a website, you took me out for a garbage <laughs> plate. So I guess that was the fourth one I had. <clears throat> but, That's right. And then the other time, a year later, you came, that you took me out for a garbage plate again. Oh, there's a pattern here. And that was the fifth one I had. But the point is, I wasn't a garbage plate guy until this. So, and over the next couple of months in, in future episodes coming up, I, I mix it up a little bit and try different uh, ventures of garbage plates. So next two months, I'll go over those. But yeah, yeah. What do you want it's, to know? It's because it's because you're immersed in the culture. You're immersed in it. You see it all the time. You drive by the different plate establishments. You plot. You f- drive by Penfield Hots. You drive by Steve T's. You drive by Arondacoy Hots. It's like okay, you know, it's just there. Yeah, I don't see that. I get to look at it. I get to look at Rochester and the little snow globe you sent my son. Shake it up so it snows, and I get to see it from afar. And I get to romanticize about it. And and I'm <laughs> I'm hoping that if you get excited about this, I'm hoping that people who are in Rochester, from Rochester, nearby Rochester, go there or make your own plate. Do what I do. Make your own plate when you're starting to feel homesick you get that urge you get that craving but you are immersed in the culture it was kind of blasé it was kind of rote at that point yeah. get to, you know i i miss it that's that, you it know one of the few things i miss about me. rochester um, <laughs> sure the, the the plates the people in lugia's ice cream shout out to lugia's ice cream and spend support oh yeah but that's uh, and shout out to i i met this couple uh, recently at my cousin's birthday party and they were from braintree massachusetts and i said so what have you done while you're here and they said george eastman house museum and i was thinking to myself like yeah it took me 39 years to even get there and but that's the thing when you're from elsewhere this stuff is actually unique right whereas like like you were right. saying garbage plates aren't unique to me and i don't think of it because they're always there but yeah i would miss it if they were gone and there's plenty of restaurants too where i just oh shoot you know rochester restaurants go out of business so quickly and i drive by i'm like oh i really wish i'd spent more time at that one it's like those magazine articles or those website articles that i read are like rochester is the most desirable place to live in new york ah! state and i'm like ah! like like you don't live here. You've, you've never, never been here. Yeah, you've obviously never been here before or heard this podcast. Please go, please go interview Mark Anthony Arena. He'll give you an honest to god opinion about yeah. what life in Rochester is like when you live there or lack thereof. Yes, please right, call so, me, <laughs> Mark. I'm gonna. There are a couple places that you wanted to talk about. Floor is yours, man. Okay, Bada Sushi, number one. Um, has nothing to do with garbage plates. I just wanted to bring this up. Bada Sushi, B-A-D-A. They're in uh, southeast Henrietta. And unbelievable. I mean, I swear, Mike, this is one of the best restaurants to ever exist in Rochester. It's that incredible. Best, to, One of the best to ever grace us with its presence. Southeast Henrietta, like... Um... Like by the ESL Sports Center? Uh farther. It's it's South Winton. It's the end of South Winton. Okay. And okay. just unbelievable super people in there. It's it's Korean plus sushi. And Ooh. it's unbelievable. They they have another Korean restaurant not far away in, in southwest Henrietta, but they decided to grace us with their presence here and, and 
just the kimbap is unbelievable the duck bokeh is not just spicy but it has a richness to the flavor i've Ooh. never had before uh, shumai are best in the world and i've had incredible shumai at places uh you know, the, the little fried shrimp dumplings uh let's see here and my brothers go nuts when they the the fried rice is is they my brothers described it as al dente and that is a good way to put it it's just firm and it's incredible and i think they use sesame oil it's incredible my dad is a xenophile when it comes to food sorry xenophobe when it comes to food but he loves it there he loves the fried rice you know wow it's just it's unbelievable oh the mandu you can't you know, it, it's hard to mess up fried rice, but when it's done well, yeah, it is. It it's on another level. I it's love incredible. fried rice. Oh yeah, I love it best when it's served in a pineapple. I had that once in a, in a Chinese restaurant, and I thought cool. that was the most amazing thing ever. Oh yeah, but again, even if it's a little soggy, I think it's still good. But you get that firm al dente fried rice, man. Then you know what you're doing. That is that is absolutely legit. Yeah. What was the other place you were going to ask me? Royal about? of India. Yeah. Okay. That was the other new place. That's another one, Southwest Henrietta. It's actually in RIT's uh, Park Point area. And it's under the influence of RIT. Yeah, and it's Nepalese. The RIT plus... sphere of influence. Yes, yeah, sphere. Of, it's Nepalese plus Indian, and you know Nepalese. Yeah, yeah. There's a oh, couple. Man. There's like three Nepalese places at least that popped up lately in Rochester. Um, and I didn't get to try the Nepalese stuff. It was just straight Indian buffet. It was very good. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was like I have my favorite. Thali is always going to be my favorite because I know the people and it's it's just it blows away everybody else. So it, it's Thali will always be my favorite. But these guys were great. And they, they also, uh, to my... A pleasant surprise they also had fried grouper which is something that i've only seen at thali so these guys came over and 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 emulated that they did the fried grouper as well it was awesome wow. um what else i don't know it was just really pleasant it was just right um india house i used to live behind india house over in victor and that was okay. another just totally classic Food tasted like 90s Indian food. The dining room is 90s. I hope they never change it. Wasn't that, wasn't that the place you only went to like a week before you moved? No, that was Thirsty Turtle. Thirsty Turtle, okay. Yeah. India House, gotcha. I did go there quite a bit, and, and I love them. And I brought my brother a takeout from there, and he said it was the best he'd ever had of any Indian. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah, I know Royal there was an India. Indian place right by school that did a really good job. That's sort of the extent of my Indian cuisine experience. Oh, you gotta um, get into it, yeah. And and that's the thing with Indian oh, no, buffet. Actually, I take that back. I take that back. When I go to like these hospital meetings, like end of the year hospital, they have their own separate Indian buffet. What? They have samosas. They have chicken tikka masala. They have what? Naan. They 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 have their own separate Indian buffet. So I I do take that back. I have had Indian food before and a buffet style oh, and man. you know putting it on for for doctors and making me feel more important than i actually am <laughs> and and side note you might like the concept of an indian buffet is where where you really put your food in a pile like that's the deal yeah. there when i go with with people who, who love indian food it's always okay look we're gonna put all our food in a pile so it very much resembles a garbage plate what do you know <laughs> 
we will make the Indian garbage play. We'll, we'll find what things can go together, and we'll make an Indian garbage plate on one of these future episodes. <sighs> okay, that's remind me. The, remind me. We'll do that's it. In the plan. Yeah, I'll, plates I'll around go the to... world. That that'll be an episode when I'm running out of ideas. Okay, right, right. Um, so a couple of months from now, I'm gonna do that because I go to Indian buffet all the time. But I will do one, and I'll review it in the future. How's that? That sounds great. Um, the initiation play, Mark. Okay. Yep. Good. Let's talk about that. So, like I alluded to last episode, I this month's garbage plate. I didn't eat the whole thing myself. Uh, so that's uh, blasphemy. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> what's the word? Spoiler alert. But that's all right. All right. But he, but I did something important. I it shared, was for a good cause. It was for a good cause. I spread the gospel of garbage plate. <laughs> There you so, go. So my best buddy has five babies, and they take turns going out to lunch with me, and I usually take them to the Tom Walls. And so I said to the oldest one, I said, "All right, it's your turn." I said, "You're normally I just say order whatever you want, and Uncle Mark pays, and and by the way, the root beer is unlimited refills." So I, I let him. One time, <laughs> one of them drank like four extra large homemade Tom Walls oh root beers. <laughs> I dropped him off home and see you later. <laughs> now, refresh my memory. Does Tom Walls still sell the root beer in the frosted mugs? Oh, yeah. And it's, it's well, in okay. this case, we had the paper mug, but I'm sure you could ask for the, yeah. But they, oh, that was one of the cool things about Tom Walls. You always got your root beer in a frosted mug. Oh, and it was homemade. Like, they literally make homemade root beer in batches. Yes. It's like, a, you know, it's a point of pride for them. They do radio ads about it and so on. So yes. the kids love it there. So I, I said, right. look, I said, normally I let you order whatever you want, but today you're getting a garbage plate. And he said, yeah, but I, 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 garbage plate sounds awful. I don't know. I said, just trust me. Okay. So Tom Walls calls it the 55 Junker Plate. So back, you know, because yes. it's a '50s themed restaurant, it looks like a '50s diner or '50s hamburger I joint. The, I think the kids' meals come in like a '55 Chevy box or something like that. Unfortunately, like, like they don't anymore because apparently oh, that's man. you know it was outlawed or maybe they just couldn't find them. But yeah, that was when I was little. I loved that you'd get a, a paper amazing. like a Happy Meal kids' meal box that was shaped like a '50s Chevy. It was so cool. Yeah. It was awesome. It was so cool. And then they just plopped your food in, in it in the little paper convertible. But anyway, so I said, you're getting a garbage plate. Now, I should have... So a couple things here. So we got the crispy fries. And then I got a little yeah. cup of gravy. Because at Tom Walls and Bill Gray's, you get a cup of gravy to go with those crispy crinkle cut fries. It's uh, Shout out to nice. my cousin Nick for that suggestion. Incredible. Nice. Incredible. And I did that a couple months ago on the Bill Gray's episode, if y'all remember. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And so we got him the crispy fries as the base, and then he got one hamburger, one hot dog. I believe it was, a, I think it was red hot. I'll, I got the picture. I'll, I'll upload the picture for the episode. And then they did the, the ketchup dressing, very similar to Bill Gray's, where they did a zigzag ketchup, and then some onions and possibly mustard. And I should have made him at least taste the hot sauce, but I figured this is your first garbage plate. You know, he's he's no stranger to burgers and fries and hots, so I just left it at that. I I didn't make him try the hot sauce. I should have. But anyway, he said it was delicious and wonderful. So I got myself a fish fry, and I ate a couple bites of his, and he loved it the end. Nice. That's that. Very good. Yeah, Tom Walls is, you know, again, Tom Walls all the way down in Avon. 
I didn't really get to it all that much. It was more of a, a destination for me. And then they That's opened the, one up at the Greasewich yeah. Mall, and that made things a lot closer to home, and they started to actually expand, and it made things a lot better. I mean, I grew up on Bill Gray's. I love Tom Walls. You're, you're really splitting hairs between uh, mm-hmm. between cheeseburger. Uh, Bill Gray's, I think, has better cheeseburgers. Tom Walls has better root beer. Um, both plates, from what you have told me, have been – spot on they've been fantastic so i wouldn't worry about that yeah uh, again no matter you're not going to get a bad meal at either place yeah and um, the, and i tell people like that's a great place to go for a starter plate because the people who serve it to you usually have manners and the plates are clean they're not overly greasy they're not you know the ex-con place with the extremely greasy whatever mystery grease all over it like they, they don't you're, ruin you're not eating it out plate. of a styrofoam box Right, you, you have a thick paper plate, and it, it's not yeah. it's not immediately soggy. So it's it's a great starter plate because it's yeah, it's clean. You're missing out on the chlorofluorocarbons. <laughs> You're, so. you know, they're outlawed in New York State. I understand it, but uh, you know, yeah, that's so. a little fear into the garbage plate, even more so. Yeah. Um, all right, Mark. You told me that you got a letter from a coach. Letter from a coach. Here goes. It's he's actually a referee. Uh, so this this is a story. Shout out to my client Rich. Um, his wife taught me in elementary school. So I went over to their house a couple weeks ago to clean their computer, and we did an awesome job. I saved them a lot of money and scrubbed their machine. They thought they needed a new one because the scumbag at the store told them your computer's a year old. Go buy a new one. But it, it was a real expensive machine, and I I'm gonna give them another five years at least out of it. So fantastic. We were talking. He says, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to high school? I said, McQuaid. And he said, oh, McQuaid knows me. And I said, what? And he said, yeah. He said, I was the ref for one of their first um, football games of all time. Okay, so McQuaid started in 54. So this was, uh, it was one of the first ones, right? Um, 54, 55. 54, if you remember the, the shield that we had on our yeah. suit coats. Oh, yeah, I just didn't know if they were playing football right in their first year or not. Yeah, and, and I guess it was it was a few years later, but he said at the time, this is interesting, right? So you know McQuaid and Aquinas have the rivalry, the two Catholic high schools, and, and you've talked about this a lot, the, the rivalry. I didn't know, I mean, first of all, that it, it began way back then, and the rivalry actually began at the game that he refereed. And at the time... Oh, really? Yeah, Aquinas was already, he said Aquinas was already so good that they were traveling the country. Back back then, you would just travel the country as a football, a high school football team. So they were already well, yeah, they, formidable. They they had uh, they had an amazing football team back in the 40s and, fi- you know, 30s, 40s and 50s, because I think, I don't remember when Aquinas started, 1919, 1896, I don't remember what it was. Um, it has gone downhill since then. But uh, any chance I can match Aquinas. Um, <laughs> yeah, so but, I see what you did. Um, but no, they, they, I remember yeah, some of the old Aquinas alums were telling me they, they would travel to Ohio. They would travel all over the place really? to find opponents because nobody, want, well, nobody wanted to play them in Rochester because they were so good. So that's why. I didn't know why they – wow. So you, but you heard that too, huh? Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's what he says. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for the wonderful help you provided for our computers and cell phones and for your copy of your book. My story about the first varsity Aquinas McQuaid football game at Aquinas Stadium in October of 62. 
I was the field judge for the game. Thus, I had responsibility for passes on the opposite side of the field to the headlinesman. Aquinas was heavily favored, but McQuaid played tough and got the ball in the last minute behind by less than a touchdown. On the last play of the game from about midfield, the McQuaid quarterback threw a long pass to the end of my side of the field. At about the five-yard line, the end jumped for the ball, but it went through his hands toward the end zone. A McQuaid halfback in the end zone dove and caught the ball just as he hit the ground. I judged he had control of the ball, and the ball did not hit the ground. Ergo, a touchdown. I signaled a touchdown, and everyone erupted. The McQuaid side, because that meant they pulled off a major upset. The Aquinas side, because the play was not a touchdown for two reasons. Number one, two offensive players who touched the pass, which was the rule in the NFL at the time. And number two, that the ball hit the ground before possession was secured. I was able to show anyone challenging the legality of the catch. A reporter for the Democrat and Chronicle called me and did so by identifying the chapter, section, and line in the New York State High School football rule book about that situation. About that very situation. The day after the game, a colleague who ref the game watched the game film, and it was on a reel back then, right? Oh, yeah. Watched the film with the Aquinas coaches, and the validity of the catch was verified. To this day, I tell people that I should be a member of the McQuaid Football Hall of Fame. Love, Rich. All right, John, Matt, the athletic director McQuaid. Get him a plaque. Get him a statue. If there is a photo of that game, get it in the glass case by the gymnasium. If it's still there where they they house all the trophies from sectionals and states and what have you. Yeah. So... (laughs) I know the the athletic director is an alumni of McQuaid. He was a year ahead of me. He's a good dude. Make this happen. <laughs> we'll have to. We're gonna have so, to send this episode to the McQuaid. So, Mark, this yeah. is. I, I do believe this is the first. This is the birth of Aquinas whining about things that they lose. <laughs> oh yeah, isn't that? That's quite the and story, though, stopped. huh? Like he was. He, he great really... story. Great story. Yeah, he he but, he stood behind his ruling and said this is exactly he went in the rule book and said this is exactly how it is. Two offensive linemen touched it and that's that. And just like Aquinas, they had to you know belabor the point 3 days later. They had to call the Democrat and Chronicle to question the validity of the call. That mentality hasn't changed. Yeah, I mean, now Democratic Chronicle just has shootings, but, but back then they had positive news. <laughs> they had real journalism. They had yeah, real right? journalistic integrity. Now, the only thing is, Mark, where was Don Alhart? Well, uh, <laughs> was, was he, he was probably at his great-grandkid's birthday party then. Come on, it was the 1960s. <laughs> 1960s? Uh, he, was probably, he was probably at the Vietnam War reporting live. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, well, Bush being naturally bulletproof. Exactly. So, With that uh, hairdo. Yeah. You, you want beauty. All right. Last thing, Mark. Review of a popcorn company. What did you review a popcorn company about? So, <laughs> this is called... I, I so appreciate you giving me my pedestal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this was called Poppin' Popcorn Popcorn Store. And it was Goodness. so bad... And it was so bad that, and and the review actually explains how I I tasted it, uh, how I got in touch with there. But 
It was so bad that I had to look them up on the Googles, and it's a little tiny company, and I eventually found them. They're somewhere like near Minnesota or something. I found them on the Googles. It took me a long time. And I just had to write this review, and I was shocked that like a f- three other people wrote a good review, and one or two put a bad one. So here we go. My brother's girlfriend donated $50 to a cause, and all she got was this bag of popcorn. She found it disgusting, so she gave it to me. I opened it up, and the kernels looked uniform, fluffy, and bright. The first few bites were okay, but then I realized each kernel contained about an eighth of a stick of butter. No, sorry. Artificial butter. I (laughs) I spat in the sink for several minutes, and it was bright as an egg yolk. No kidding. I brought the bag home and decided to throw the contents in the bushes for the local flock of hungry birds. The next day, they made it clear that they weren't touching it. I then had to reach in the bushes and remove all the neon yellow kernels, even though they were already rained on, they were still neon yellow, so my landlord wouldn't yell at me. It's nice that they're helping fundraisers, but there is no way they could be in business if it weren't for that captive audience. No way. Wow. If they were in New York, they would be out of business. <laughs> uh, if they, even if they were good, they'd be out of business in New York. Yeah, you know they how many good places they wouldn't survive the taxes. Yeah. So, all right, Mark, I have to tell you that I was at the grocery store last week down here in Ohio. Or, yeah, before I left for Florida, and I was cruising the clearance aisle at Kroger, and I sent you a picture of this. I don't know if you remember, but it was uh, at the clearance rack. There was rolls of 400 speed Kodak film. Oh, right. The old school film. The old school film that you would load in your camera. You would take your pictures. You would take it to the photo mat. You would take it to Phase Drugs or Eckerd or Wegmans and they would develop your photos in an hour. They had a drive through one too. It was like a little hut in a parking lot. Remember that? I do. And I I don't remember anybody being sad at the photo booth. At the photo mat. (laughs) Like everybody was all happy and jolly, like ah, I'm gonna look at your pictures and and make some embarrassing comments about you. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, I but mean, yes, yeah, I, that's when everyone I, was happy. I'm convinced that that would probably that's probably the last three rolls of Kodak 400 speed film out there in existence. Um, I'll actually beg to differ on this. So my uncle gave me two cameras from the Mm. 80s a couple weeks back. And in the camera cases, they were Canon AE somethings. And in the camera case, I found three sealed cardboard Kodak, bright yellow, neon yellow like the popcorn, um, Kodak film. And they were copyright 05 and I gave them nice. to a little cousin who's actually getting into film photography, so that worked out really well. Because they aren't worth that much on eBay, but she's going to really enjoy it. And she actually goes to Scott's Photo and buys new old stock expired Kodak film because Kodak nice. overproduced so much of it that they're still selling it. And she likes it, she says, because it gives it a grainy look. All right, let me rephrase it. I think I have the last. I think I saw the last three Kodak rolls of film that are outside of Rochester. Yeah, yeah, but it could very well be. And and there's so get this, Kodak doesn't do much anymore. They do there's a I can't think of the website, but there is a website that specializes in selling film. But most of the Kodak products that are out there now, like you can buy a Kodak 35mm standard camera that takes standard film, but it's all of it is manufactured under license 
from the Kodak name. It's just made by other people borrowing the Kodak name. They also have Kodak digitization services, but they're in Tennessee and they just use the name. So even they got out of Rochester. Yeah, so at least they're made by successful, competent companies that are just using the brand name. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, Mark. So i got to close this with our in-memoriam segment. I've got a few things here. This one really hit me hard. There was a few things that really tugged at the heartstrings, made me feel sad. So uh, I do want to – I do want to uh, – I, I, I do want to memorialize here in Ohio, here in my – in my hometown of Middletown now, they are closing the local movie theater. They are closing the Cinema 10 here in Middletown. They had good popcorn. The prices were not exorbitant. This wasn't a this wasn't a luxury movie theater where you could have dinner. It was a run-of-the-mill, like, sticky soda on the floor. Popcorn was pretty darn good. Just a mediocre movie theater, but the prices were great. Love it. I remember when we first moved down here, they had we went to go see a couple films before the kids were born. It was a nice salt of the earth down home movie theater. Yeah. They are closing it. Oh. And that makes me sad. Hmm. That makes me sad that you cannot go see a movie. Well, you can't go out to see a movie for under 40 bucks anymore at this point. But, right. Although um, the, the dollar I've, movie theater in Rochester goes out of business every year and then they come back. And it's like two dollars now, but it's it's beautiful. It's it's all right. Yeah. So that really that really made me sad. Um, you said the Dollar Theater closes and reopens. The Discount Movie Theater in Dayton they closed because it was too many shootings, too dangerous. It was right next to the bus terminal. Huh. So, um, and then on a local note, Paul Sadler passing. This man <sighs> was my pre-calc teacher. He was my AP calculus teacher. I absolutely loved learning from this man. He was intense. He was a character. Intense. He, he was wonderful in so many ways. And he was such he, – he was an intimidating figure. He would scare the bejesus out of you. Oh, if you yeah. were one of the underclassmen that wasn't like pre-calc, one of those super smart sophomores that were in pre-calc, like he legitimately would scare some people, but oh, he was huge, and I I only had him once a, as a substitute teacher one day, and he was huge and scary, and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> well, but then when you, when you go talk to him at flex about something, you go talk to him at recess or after school. I had him for homeroom my s- senior year. He would go through things with you. He would make it so that you would understand. He would get up on that chalkboard. He would you know, get all dusty with this dustless chalk and everything. And I learned so much from that man. And um, not only as a teacher, he was also the person who put us through like warmups at track practice. Mm. So imagine that bellowing that you could hear from the computer lab. Yeah. You, Oh, I'd hear him down the hall. Yeah. You could hear him clear down the hall. He we're down there in the basement the first few weeks of track practice, doing conditioning, what have you, he is belting out push-ups. He is doing ten counts when we're doing stretches. He's telling us we got to do runs up the stairs. It was awesome. I ran like, those. Stairs. Looking back on it, looking back on it, it was awesome. That man, um, I learned so much from him. I, I am sad to see him pass away, um, but um, 
you know, he was one of the good ones and you're not going to get those teachers like that anymore. Him, Dave Missile, I'll give you another one who I've learned so much from. Um, they're just, they're legends and, and you just yeah. can't duplicate that. Right. So, they don't make those um, anymore. And, and I, talk- they, they really don't, they, they really don't. And, and it's, it's sad because so many people learn high level math from him and they, they learn, you know, sometimes they'll talk to you about life experiences. He, he was, he was a good person funny as hell and he loved uh he loved what he did you could tell so uh rest in peace mr sadler Mm -hmm. and then the last one this one came as a shock to me as well hang on by the way i talked to t-bone about mr sadler and did you and he said two things that are interesting he says yeah you know he he was 75 and i said what i said he looked 75 back in the 90s 75 good lord and the other only 75 yes right and the other thing he said is he said i was glad to know that after retirement mr sadler traveled the world and i said that's that's awesome right because i tell my retired clients all the time go see the world go do it and he said he definitely did he saw i want to say iceland and alaska and you name it he went i'll tell you what though i'm glad that he did but you know if he worked up till the day he died i'm sure he would have been just as fulfilled he he, yeah. he had such a passion for his craft it was infectious uh-huh and it was funny man it was funny so all right mark the last in memoriam this one came as a complete shock to me when i found out about it technosophy llc yeah mark what the heck happened so technosophy means technical wisdom it was it was my, what happened was back in 07, I worked for these guys and they were going to create a side project called Technopoly to sell PC parts. And I said, oh, I'm going to make a blog called Technosophy, which will be technical wisdom. Okay, great. So around 2009 and then 2011, when I was ramping up my in-home tech support business, I said, well, I got the website. I might as well call the company Technosophy. And that's great. But from then until now, none of my clients have ever been able to spell it or pronounce it. So I said, you know what? I My slogan is The Computer Exorcist. That's the name of my podcast. That's the name of a lot of things I do. So I'm just going to rename my business to The Computer Exorcist LLC. So we are putting an end to the name Technosophy. We've renamed the business. And I needed to turn over a new leaf. So how are we gonna how are we gonna pray uh, pay proper homage to this? Are we gonna do just a New Orleans style funeral? Are we gonna just do a Viking funeral? Are we just gonna put Technosophy LLC on the tire fire and just send it out to Lake Ontario, hoping oh. that Toronto gets it? <laughs> you know, I I could have burned one of my business cards, but that's all right. Yeah, no, we gotta. Think are we about just gonna that. go to? Are, <laughs> you gonna go to Buffalo and light that dumpster on fire? What? <laughs> Oh, come on. The city's already a dumpster fire, and you know it. <laughs> uh, the sad yes, thing is, is. They, they got their act together better than we do here. Uh, but no, I, I'll have to think about that. You know, it's it's. I needed some kind of exit strategy or closure, and it just wasn't coming fast enough. So this kind of gives me that closure. And over, nothing has changed in, immediately, but... Right. Over the next year or so, I'm going to delegate all future, all new clients to my apprentices, and I just there's 
I, we got to a point now where there's no way I could possibly handle the demand that was coming in. I mean, for years, it was always at the edge where I was always extremely overworked, but always got it done. Now it's kind of a, it's a blessing in disguise, right? And and the Hindus have Lord Ganesh, which is the god of putting challenges in front of you that cause you to grow. And that's what happened here. I couldn't handle the demand anymore, so I'm changing everything. The end. Okay. Now, I, I will say, though, Mark, if you do hold a live-streamed memorial service on your Streamplicity channel, please invite Donna Hart to MC it. Donna Hart. What I'll probably do is I'll probably invite you to the, the Computer Exorcist podcast to do an episode where we – yeah, that's a good – let's do that. How's that? Requi- requiem for technosophy. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, all right. Um Mark, anything coming up big for the next month or just going to hang tight, hunker down, try to survive the rest of winter? Uh, that's what they do. You know, my brother always says he he can't believe Rochester people hunker down. And, and twice this week I had clients and they said, we're going to go out to Wegmans before it gets dark out, right? And it's 530, right? And they're like, we have to go before it gets dark out. And that's their big thing is have to go, but don't, don't bother me until I get back. So, yeah, I'm going to non-Rochester tomorrow for my sanity. And Good. next month, stay tuned for my review of we're finally doing the Polish garbage plate. Oh, it's about time. It was incredible. It is worth it. I saw the pictures. Mark and I have talked about this at length. Flyover Plates audience, it is worth your time. We will put it in the rundown for next month. So... For all of you, I wish uh, I wish you a wonderful March. I wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day. This, for Mark Anthony Arena, this is Dr. Mike for the Flyover Plates podcast. Thank you all for listening. Get well soon, T-Bone. Mm-hmm.